Welcome to another inspiring message from John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, Genesis and empower you. Chapter 28, and we're going to start reading in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is the house, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if, the Lord will be, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Amazing passage where Jacob has this incredible encounter with God. I... Um, I got home on Monday from the office and I'd been out riding and uh, I arrived home and I was a bit sweaty. And so I put the kids to bed, you know, just kind of still ready, wearing my riding gear. And they were finally in the bed and Gillian was kind of, you know, doing the final rounds. You know how you kind of get them in bed, but then you've got to keep them in bed. So we're going through that motion and uh, I went downstairs and I decided to just sort of have a spa to, to, you know, rather than a shower. And so I hopped in the spa and I'm chilling out. And while I was there, I noticed that my rose bushes around the spa pool were all looking very dry. I take my gardens very seriously. So I got out of the spa and I uh, put, on, put on my shorts and everything. And then I took out my watering stick on my hose and I started watering all my roses. Now, this year, at the beginning of the year, in the first week of January, again, it's amazing how God launches you into new years with new words and new seasons. And I read Romans chapter one and was arrested by the fact that the Bible says the wrath of God is being poured out because people suppress truth and that the knowledge of God is no longer something that people see as valuable. And it goes on and says they, they stopped glorifying God and they stopped giving thanks to Him. And then the next sentence just totally blew me away. It said, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. It'll become a series sometime this year, I'm sure. But in that moment when I read it, I realised afresh in my life that God was after every thought. He wanted my waking thoughts. He wanted my restful thoughts. He wanted my time. And the reason, the, the, the vehicle, the mechanism that brings my thinking to God 
is thanksgiving and appreciation. To glorify Him and to give Him thanks makes my thinking align with God's thinking, changes my thoughts from futile and you know just human thoughts to make them thoughts that are alive with the possibility that God could speak to me straight in the arena of my imagination. So arrested by this, I decided that this year, 2013, I would fast for the year television and DVDs. I know that many men are binding, binding the word of the preacher as you hear that, but I made that that was my decision. I wasn't gonna watch any television, wasn't gonna watch any DVDs or you know, anything on, on VHS at home. And so I decided, no, the teenagers don't even know what a VHS is, but I, I decided that I wasn't gonna watch a DVD and I wasn't gonna watch it. So I get to the end of my watering process and I start thinking about what I'm gonna do in the coming hours that are ahead of me before it's bedtime. In that moment, I realised that God was after my thoughts. It's just a very simple moment. I began to pray as I was watering my plants and I began to say to the Lord, I have given you this year with no television and no DVDs because I want you to be in my mind. And I began to just glorify God and give thanks to Him. As I began to give thanks to Him, I felt the wooing of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever felt that, it's something very real. When you know that God is calling for your focused attention. Anybody ever experienced that? I went into my lounge room and I sat down in my chair and I grabbed out this Bible here and I turned to the passage in Romans 1 that God had spoken to me out of in the first week of January and I began to reread it and to meditate on it. And, and I don't know how to describe it to your church any other way than to say that as I began to read it, the presence of God filled my lounge room. Now you need to know that I'm, I'm doing what I do 20 years in now. And the reason why I've been doing this for the last 20 years is because at the age of 19, when I gave my Friday nights to God, I had a moment like I had on Monday night when the presence of God filled my, my parents' lounge room as I was in prayer and I knew that God was just so real in that environment. Maybe you're asking yourself, what do you mean, John, that God was real? I don't know how any, any other way to explain an encounter in the presence of God other than to say, you know when you're having one. It's like I say to people, you know, are you in love with that girl? And if the guy hesitates, it's like, you're not. Because you know when you are. You know when you're not. And if you doubt it, you're not. And you know when God is there. And if you doubt it, it's just, it's not the real thing. You know what I'm saying? So I was having this amazing moment with God's presence so richly flooding this lounge room. And I sat there for the next one hour and it was just all peaceful. You know God's there when the children don't even make a noise. You know, And I just hung out in the presence of God and God began to speak to me and I grabbed my prayer journal and began to write down what the Lord was saying. And in a moment on Monday night, I had an encounter with God. Church, if there's one thing I know, it is that you and I as Christian believers were designed to have ongoing and regular encounters with our Jesus. I love this passage of Scripture because it describes for us this moment that Jacob has, this, this man with a God worldview. I mean, his grandfather is Abraham, his father is Isaac, and here he is, the third generation in the lineage of faith 
And the Bible tells us that he's this guy who is running for his life, busy with his life. And remember that he is a man with a God worldview, but not necessarily a God awareness that is personal to him. Listen, just the fact that you were raised in church is not enough. The fact that you have a Christian record of church attendance is, I believe, not enough to sustain us in this walk that God has for us in our lives. And so it is that Jacob has this incredible moment when he is really set up by God to get him alone, to get him not, no longer just conniving, no longer strategizing, but just him and a rock and the great outdoors. And in the middle of this moment, he lays down to sleep and he sees this grand vision of a stairway reaching to heaven of the angels ascending and descending upon that stairway. And at the top of it, the Lord Himself speaking to him and saying, I am the Lord, I am the God of your father Abraham and I am the God of Isaac and began to speak out of an awareness of who God was, the call of God that was upon Jacob's life and God discovery will always be the foundation stone of personal discovery. To discover who God is is to discover who we are. Somebody say amen to that. He had an incredible moment, a God awareness moment, a, a time when he had an encounter with God. And church, if there is one thing I know, it is that for every believer that is in this room, God wants our lives to be lived out of an encounter with Jesus. We, we are called to be people who regularly meet with Him. And, and when I say encounter, I don't mean to, you know, people falling over or, or other kinds of demonstrative expressions of human behaviour that so often become, you know, things if we're not careful that, that they're very taint the inclination and people get nervous sometimes when they, they hear the thought of having an encounter with Jesus because they're not sure about the baggage that comes with it. But I want you to know that an encounter is not about outward human behaviour, although I'm not afraid of outward human behaviour. I've got no fear of excess because I figure I'd rather try and work with a zealot than warm up a corpse. Yeah. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, my friends, a God encounter is about the fact that you know that God is there, that He is real, that, that He is working in your life, that you are communicating with Him. It can come in a moment in worship. It can come in a moment in word. Yes, it can come in a moment when you do receive prayer. It can come in a moment when you just open the pages of your Scripture and a verse is highlighted and illuminated. Ever had that where just one verse seems to be somewhere like, boo, 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 you know, like a Bruce Almighty moment off the page and into your heart and it doesn't matter how it comes or what it looks like or how, how personal it is because God is a way of getting to us regardless of our personality type. And we should never conform a move of God to a particular personality. But an encounter with God is when you know that He is real, that He is there, that you are communicating with Him and it begins to change something on the inside of you. We last year, last Sunday, sorry, announced our vision for the next 10 years of Arise Church, Encounter Community Mission, being the process and the three things that we're really committing to because we recognise as a church community that if our church is going to really move forward into the, the great things that God's got for it, we need more of us to live our lives out from a God encounter, a daily thing of it, knowing who He is. 
If my calendar is not regularly punctuated with moments like Monday night, I am not deserving of this pulpit, not deserving of the title that this church so graciously affords me. I have to live and lead out of an awareness of God in my life. Every believer must. If we don't live and lead out of a God awareness, then my friends, very quickly, we begin to spiral down. I love stories like Evelyn shared and uh, great to to have uh, Sam and Evelyn Barton now back from their honeymoon. And we saw them yesterday. I'm sure they'll come to the 11 o'clock service. You know what? Newlyweds are like, takes a while to get going. And... um, and uh, you know, the, the, at their wedding, I was so blessed by Evelyn sharing a story about her first ever Sunday at Arise. She, she said, I've been in church before. I've been to church many times. I was raised attending church. But I thought church looked like one thing. I thought God and religion looked like one thing. And then she said, I walked into an Arise service and she said, I don't know how to describe it any other way, but these three words, Jesus was there. And at the end of the day, church, that's the source of the miracle. That's the fuel for the fire. That's, we are nothing without Jesus. We're a bad band. You know, we're a great band, but we're, we're, we're not, we can't compete with a rock concert. We can't compete with the rotary for our benevolency budget, but we can see this life-changing, revelatory, dead to life, sick to healed, anxious to at peace, presence of God. Word of God that shapes lives. We can lead people to a point where they encounter Jesus. And out of that encounter, our lives come alive with the plan that God has for it, with the direction that He would have us on and everything changes. Jacob breaks up and he says, I was unaware that God was in this place. Our our default position in life is to be unaware. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, that our default position is unaware. Blinded is how we come into this world, shades upon us, uh, things that restrict us. It is not only you know, when we cannot see with our physical eyes that we are blinded, but when our hearts are blinded, when we're, when we're dull to His presence, when we don't know. And he says, man, I was a church person, Jacob says. I, I came from, I'm Abraham's grandson. Yet I did not know that God was in this place. And in our lives as believers, if we're not aware of God, if we're not living out of an awareness of God, out of an encounter with God, then we will live for the temporal. We will pursue the material. We will value the base and the ignoble. And God is always challenging us as believers to come alive again, to be aware again. It's not in my notes, but Ephesians 5 has always been one of my favorite and most challenging passages of Scripture where the Bible talks about, you know, the, we, the, the fact that we should not live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Yeah, yeah. It goes on and it says that they have lost all sensitivity, so they gave themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. The source of their passion for feeling, for sensuality. And we live in an age like that where it's like we just we just shift the line of taboo just a little bit further in every generation. Why? Because because we need to feel something. And the Bible says the cure for our sensuality is sensitivity. Talks about the hardening of their hearts is the source of their loss of sensitivity. 
Talk to somebody who works regularly like a, 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 the, 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 the guitarists that are on our stage. Touch the tips of their fingers. You, you could cut the top of their fingers and no blood would come out. Why? Because thick calluses have established themselves to protect them from pain. What protects them from pain also prevents them from feeling. And so it is that you have to, you have to press a little bit harder Go a little bit further. And when our lives have lost a sensitivity to God, then we, we, we head in a direction that is so very dangerous. And it's not just the world. As a believer, I must live my life continually out of an encounter with Jesus, a sensitivity to Him, an awareness of what pleases Him, an awareness of what grieves Him. It's living our lives out of that God encounter that sets our lives in the right direction that God has for us. He, God is wanting to give us life. He's wanting to give us significance. He's wanting to move us into something amazing for our lives. But the vehicle that makes us aware is an encounter. That's a challenging thought, isn't it? In fact, even when we put the word encounter out there, I think as New Zealanders, we react to the word encounter because encounter you know, it, it sort of encompasses the thought of confrontation. And if there's one thing we don't like as New Zealanders, it's confrontation. I mean, when you begin to travel the world, you have to improve in the skill or get walked on. We're the only culture in all the world that assumes that if someone is talking, you must remain silent until they're finished. There's not another country on earth that I've been to where that's the default role. If you're having a conflict with somebody in another nation, you know, if you, don't in, if you don't inject yourself into that conversation, you can sit there for 10 minutes while the conversation goes on and on. But we are a non-confrontational people. But the God of the universe is not Kiwi. By the way, he's not American. He's not, you know, English. Ben, he's not English. I know some people are going out there saying that, but you know, he's not English. He is God. From Him all races emanate. And the God of the universe, the only way you can ever experience Him is to be confronted. He's bigger, better. I mean, read any encounter in the Bible. Even when angels speak, the first two words are always fear not. I mean, it's a confrontation, just the fact that they are there. And yes, it is. It is a confrontation. Our fear is confronted when God turns up. Can't hang on to it. Our, our, our selfishness is confronted when God turns up. Love is awakened when God turns up. Not the kind of love that we you know, sing of or watch on Titanic. The kind of love that moves you beyond yourself and calls you towards other believers, which is why encounter will always lead you into community. It has to. If it's God's love that you are encountering, you will move into community. It is, it is a confrontational experience. How's, How's Moses when he asks that God could show him his glory and God shows him his glory and he ends up falling to his face as he's probably thinking inwardly, why did I even ask that? It is confrontational to encounter God. But friends, we must embrace the fact that our lives will be better the more of God there is in it. That we will become more alive, more filled with hope, more filled with faith, more at peace. And He never planned to hurt us. He never planned to harm us. 
every interaction to do us good. And we must embrace the God who calls us to a place of encounter. We find ourselves in encounter. Notice that when God begins to speak to Jacob in our passage of Scripture, He never imposes Himself upon Jacob. He says, I'm the God of your father Abraham, and I'm the God of Isaac. And then he begins to prophesy over his life, but it is Jacob who makes the decision to say, if this God is real, then he will be my God. But in acknowledging God, for the first time, Jacob acknowledged himself. In acknowledging him and encountering God, that's the vehicle, the conduit through which we really figure out who we are. His whole ancestral journey did not make sense in Jacob's life until he understood who God was and therefore his role. And that's encouraging because I don't know what your background's been like. Some people in this room have had great families and a lineage of faith. Others come from brokenness and turmoil. But you know what? No matter what your family background has been like, the moment God intersects your life and becomes your God, then your family begins to make sense at that moment. Your life makes sense. Your challenges, your family setbacks, all just got turned around into one great, yeah, give God praise this morning that your life counts. And it all begins in a God encounter. It all comes alive. Self-awareness begins with God awareness and understanding of our lives, a purpose for our hope comes when we have a God encounter. Without ongoing moments, we wander from His presence. We forget our purpose. We live for pleasures. And I've long realised that Christian service requires us to continually come back to a simple encounter with Jesus. That if we don't keep returning to it, don't keep discovering it, don't keep living in it, then our service of Him, our devotion to Him will be unsustainable. But when we live our lives out of an encounter with God, then it is sustainable, which is why Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. This moment for Jacob changed his life. An encounter with Jesus always changes a life. In fact, six things that an encounter with God will do. Number one, it changes lives. Second thing an encounter with God will do is it will cause revelation. Third thing that it will do is birth faith. The fourth thing that it does is it leads to a living Christianity. You can live with a benevolent Christianity, a churchianity, but the moment you have Jesus in your life, your Christianity starts to move you. What, what's the difference between I could never share with people that I'm a Christian and I must share with people that I'm a Christian? What's the difference? The difference is simply a real living faith, an encounter with Jesus. Number five, it burns away the dross. Our God is a consuming fire. We look into His eyes and see perpetual burning. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, then I'm telling you, just things you hung on to, let, you, you let them go. Have you found that? You're harboring some thought about a person, come to God in prayer, and then you're like, what the heck? What, why am I hanging on to that? Um, number six, it exalts Jesus. An encounter with God will always exalt Jesus and make Him bigger. And the Bible says that when Jesus is lifted up, He will draw all men unto Himself. In verse 19, it's amazing to note 
There's an amazing law in theology that simply says first mention, that every time something is put into the Scripture for the very first time, that first mention has the seed or the, the original or the perfect understanding. It's like that, that's the place you have to model what it means. Whenever you find that mentioned in the rest of Scripture, you take the first mention and you build your understanding upon it because God always starts things well. Look at creation, look at, look at redemption, look at everything God ever started. He starts it well. And, and it's amazing to know that in verse 19, Jacob wakes up in the verse preceding and says, this is, this is none other than the house of God. And he names the place Bethel, which simply means house of God. Now church, this is so powerful for us in our lives because in the first mention of that phrase in the Scripture, house of God, we find the very pattern for what God wants His house to be like. The place where Jacob bought his tithe, the place where Jacob pledged his devotion, the place where Jacob coincidentally returned to after his travels. This is the place. And he says, this place called the house of God is a place where encounter happens. It's a place where God turns up. Oh man, it's a place where heaven is open where the presence of God becomes real, where my life comes alive in His love, in His grace, in His reality. He says, this is what the house of God is like. And that's why we're saying, as we launch Encounter Community Mission, that it's about encounter that calls us upward. And our vehicle is our Sunday services. Then it's about a community of believers because encounter calls us outward and that's our life groups. And then it's about mission because mission drives the church forward and that's being part of the team of Arise Church and whatever service it means, but being part of the team that empower the dream of the mission of Arise Church. And this house, this Sunday gathering is about an encounter with Jesus. And that's why we're saying at the onslaught of this next 10 years, man, I don't know what the songs will be like. It's so fun to look over the last 10 years of songs and see what we thrashed to death, open up the gates. We opened up the gates for so many months, we were ready to shut the gates. Open up the gates, you know, evermore my heart will sing. Well, man, we sang it evermore. We, we sang it until it became like stuck on the record player. I mean, I don't know what the songs will be in 10 years that we laugh and we, you know, we joke about, but I do know that regardless of the style, regardless of the number of services, regardless of the size of the venue, you know, at the moment we normally meet, this year, praise God, looks like about 80% of our services at the Michael Fowler Centre. But whether we meet in a two and a half thousand seat auditorium or a 500 seat auditorium, one service in a two and a half thousand one or 25 in a venue that only seats 500. I'm not attached to the, the auditorium, not bonded to the building. I'm bonded to the cause. I'm not attached to a facility. I mean, it does look like it'll be our home for a while, but it's just, we're just renting it. I don't care about it. But at the end of the day, church, regardless of the number of services, what will never change, the style of the songs, what will never change is that the church is a place where we come with an intentional heart to encounter God, to meet with Him, 
That's why the drive of the worship will always be to lift us to Jesus. The emphasis of the Word will always be to bring us not just to a head knowledge of Scripture, but a heart awakening to the real Jesus. It's about an encounter with God. That's why I firmly believe that every Christian believer should make it their Sunday goal every single Sunday of their Christian journey to be in the house of God. It's not an option. This will be the first generation of believers ever to question the fact that being a believer means that you find yourself in God's house every Sunday. Schedules change, life gets busier. Sure, if we own buildings, we'd offer services on different nights of the week, maybe, I don't know. But it doesn't matter what your schedule is, what your pressure is, I firmly believe that success begins on Sunday. And the Bible instructs us from the Old Testament all the way through to the New. The Bible says in the Old, have a Sabbath day, don't do any work. It's a day for solemn assembly. In the New Testament, Hebrews 13, do not forsake the assembling of the brothers together, but do it even more as you see the day approaching. They meant to the temple courts for the apostles' teaching on the first day of the week, that's today, and in homes for the breaking of bread and prayer. Man, we could go through Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, but success begins on Sunday. This is 90 minutes designed for you and I to encounter the living Jesus. Oh man. I'm a one talent guy. There's a lot of things I can't do. A lot of rooms I sit in that I'm not the smartest in, I promise you. No good at sport. Struggle with, you know, to get my head around a lot of things that make this life happen. But I live beyond my natural ability in the favour of God. And I tell you, an anchor to the favour of God in my life is that from the time I've known Jesus right to now, I've missed a total after my sabbatical month of 10 church services, morning and night, a total of 10 in the last 22 years of my life. And it has led me to blessing and favour and abundance and a hotter wife than I could ever dream of. I'm telling you, success begins in God's house. Let me give you six things you need for an encounter with Jesus. Are you ready? I know it's a God thought when you just get six words that just dropped you. And in prayer, these six words came to me and then Jillian told me I had to change one. But this is what God said. Then I'll tell you what Gillian said, but those are the two most important voices in my mind. I bind the devil's one, but those two I try to listen to. But the the, the six words that came to me were invitation, preparation, attention, intention, expectation, and apprehension. It's like a Danny Guglielmucci moment. The first word that God gave me was invitation. I've renamed this one with Gillian's help to appointment. If you and I are gonna have an encounter with Jesus, then the first thing we have to do is we have to make an appointment. We have to give God the invitation. By being in this house this morning, by coming out at nine, by getting up an hour early, I commend you for it. People who come all the way from Porirua to be here this morning, made an earlier commute to the city. You probably did wise because you probably got out of some of the, you know, around the base traffic by doing so. So God blessed you for your sacrifice. But, but you know, at the end of the day, you have to make an appointment with God. If you're gonna encounter Him, you have to actually give Him the opportunity to affix Himself to something that you give Him. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I touch the hem of His garment, Matthew 5.14, I think, or Mark 5.14, Matthew 9.21, if I only touch His cloak, I will be healed. She said, that is my appointment. That season, that moment. When we come to church on a Sunday, there's something very, very powerful in that to come to church with a thought that says, I have dedicated this season as my appointment. It's why I'm here. Um, 
I had a dream about six months ago that has changed my calendar. And in the dream, basically, the Lord was illuminating for me the fact that I had allowed my calendar to become too busy. And He was showing me that the number of appointments I was allowing in my calendar were preventing me from the really important appointments that I needed to keep. And you know what, as a, as a person in life, you can easily have a lot of things that you're doing and miss the real things that you should be doing. And in our lives, we've gotta make appointments. We've gotta say, I'm, I'm ring fencing that. It's not negotiable. And that is my moment that I'm gonna meet with God. I'm going to attach my faith to that window. Number two, the second thing that we have to do is preparation. Anything significant you get ready for. Anybody know what I mean? When we have our board meetings once every two months for the church, I'm the chairman of that board meeting. I'm up every single board meeting an hour earlier. I'm pouring over all my notes. I know what I'm doing. I'm walking in the room. I'm not the smartest guy in that room, but I've got to lead that room forward and get their opinions and shape it for wisdom for the future of our choices. And so I know that I have to arrive to that board meeting prepared. If there's something about life that I know is that if you're not prepared for something, you'll max, you will not maximize the moment that you have. When it comes to an encounter with God, encounters with God require that we are prepared for them. They require that we get ready, that we, that we purpose in our lives to arrive ready for an encounter with Him. Uh, have you ever read the story where Elijah goes out into the, into the desert and wills himself to die? Then the Bible says that before God speaks to him, that an angel appears and says, Eat, eat this food and have some more sleep. And it struck me that in our lives, preparedness for moments with God impact on everything. Our, our sleep life has an impact. Um, uh, one thing that I've, I've decided to do many, many months ago, and I think it was originally uh, Laura who might have shared this, you know, was talking with someone about having more sleep and, you know, how to switch off and, She's saying, you know, no electronics after about eight or nine o'clock. And, and I've put this discipline into my life. You know, I've tried not to. I must admit, every so often I do get on Instagram. Um, but I have, to, I have to stop that. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you're not careful, you, 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 you uh, stimulate yourself at the wrong moments and rob your preparedness for more important moments. It's very practical today. But you and I have to get to a place where we are prepared to hear God's voice. The third thing that we have to do is give God our attention. If you're gonna have an encounter with God, you have to be prepared. If there's any, sorry, you have to give God your attention. If there's anything we learn from Mary and Martha, it is that you can be in the right place with all the wrong focus. Martha so consumed with all the thoughts of her day and the meal that had to be prepared, Hey man, you know, I go to conferences. I don't get to sit in a lot of church services in my life. And so I punctuate my calendar regularly with conferences where I can sit. And you know what? It's not necessarily about a new message or a new idea or about what I learn. It's just about a window of time when I get to sit in a service and not think about whether the praise and worship is going well, but just to make sure that for me, my worship is going well. And in those moments, I always try to, to hit that conference because this is what I've learned. You can be in the right place, but if I've got my phone out 
and people from the office are, are texting me and that's not their fault, it's my fault if I hold the phone in my hand. And if, I'm, if I've got my, you know, if I'm, if I'm sending emails from my iPad in the middle of the session, then I can spend all the right time in the right place, but doing the wrong, th- giving the wrong things my attention. And it counts me for naught. That's why we tell our staff at the church, we say, listen, sure, there's a lot of things to consider when you're sitting in one of these services, but you need to take your phone and put it under your chair. We don't need to organise lunch during the preaching. Do that before you got here. And when we're sitting in these services, let's make sure that we give God our attention. Listen, all the teenagers that are in this room, don't sit in church with your Twitter feed open. Tweet nice things about me, but put your phone away. Focus. If the devil has a plan for this generation, it would be that we sample everything, but get changed by nothing that we lose all anchor in truth, all access to revelation, all real substantive depth in our lives because we're busy, but we're not focused. I've never met a brilliant person who was just sampling stuff all the time. They're always intense, focused and deliberate. They give their attention to what really counts. I gotta finish. Number five, number four, sorry, it's intention. We've got to know what we want. Blind Bartimaeus was asked a question by Jesus in Mark 10, 41. What is it that you want? And we've got to be intentional, know what we want. Again, before I go to conferences, you know what I do? I take out my pen and my prayer journal and I write down questions that I have of God or things that I want from God. And in our lives, we should be doing that. We should be thinking about this moment that we have when we come to God's house and saying, why do I want to get out of being here today? What's my current challenge? I've got a prayer request in for it. I've got faith in my heart for it. I've got a mental note. I'm believing God. Something's gonna happen in my life today. And I'm telling you, every Sunday, I talk to people after the meeting who've had some moment in the service and I'll never cease to amaze me. I preach one thing, they hear another thing. I don't care. As long as God speaks to them about what He bought, I'm just a mouthpiece and He's pretty good. Number five, expectation. Expectation is faith. And if we're gonna come to God and get anything from Him, then we better believe that we can. We're gonna have a heart that's ready to get something from Him. And number five, we need apprehension. Six, apprehension. Simply put, that when God speaks to us, when a moment happens, when we have an encounter with God, that we don't just move on from it and forget it. The Bible says the seed falls on the ground Before it can take root, the birds of the air come and snatch the seed and take it away. And whenever seed falls into our lives, it's so important that we take it and we grab it. That we, you know, this Romans 1 passage God's spoken to me from, I'm reading it every single day, just spending 10 minutes going over it. And man, there's a lot of things I could do with that 10 minutes, but I need it to shift from just here to in here and make it change the very way I think, the way I live, the way I lead. We're gonna apprehend the things of God if we're gonna live out of an encounter with Him. And church, this is what I do know, is the band take the stage, it is that our lives were designed to be lived out of an encounter with Jesus. Adam and Eve, every evening, the Lord would come and walk with them in the garden. As a man talks with his friend, he would talk with them. And you and I were designed by God for a living relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Allen Cameron and at Arise Church.